Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and I'm just so glad you're here. This podcast is designed to dig below the surface and to hold space for meaningful conversations. We're going to talk about life and love and basically everything in between. This is a place where done is better than perfect, where quality triumphs quantity, and where you can really just come as you are. So go ahead and leave that Superman cape of having it all together at the door because life is freaking messy. Don't I know it, y'all? Now, not only are we going to be real, we're going to have fun too. Scout's honor. I promise you this. I will find any excuse to bring up Beyonce or the latest episode of The Bachelorette. So if you're a new friend, you are so welcome. And before we get started, pause and make sure you're subscribed to the Refined Collective Podcast on iTunes so that each week when a new episode drops, it'll download straight to those devices. And if you're an old friend, um, welcome back. Hi there. I already know you're all subscribed and good to go, but would you do me a quick favor? Hop on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and written review. I would be incredibly grateful for that. Now I used to feel like all weird and awkward about asking you to do this, but then I listened to Oprah's podcast and even she asks her listeners to do it. In the podcast world, those subscribes and ratings and reviews really, really help us. So thank you in advance. You are the best. Finally, if something stands out to you in this episode, find me on Instagram at The Refined Woman or my podcast specific account at The Refined Collective and send me a message. I would absolutely love to hear from you. All right, let's go ahead and get to it. 2020 is in full swing and I don't know about you, but I am here for it. I'm also here human to human to ask you for support. Help me friend to help you. The Refine Collective podcast is one of my most favorite projects that I have ever worked on in my career, but it is definitely a labor of love. We have quite a bit of hard cost each month from software and subscription services to my team who edit and produce the episodes to licensing music and running logistics for all things. Refined Collective. Now, because of that, I want to invite you, yes, you, to join our Patreon community. Patreon is this incredible platform that helps listeners financially support their favorite podcasts. You can support the Refined Collective podcast for as little as $5 a month. And we made a bunch of fun different tiers that are jam-packed with goodies and VIP access to our newest content. And you will be notified before anyone else about our upcoming live events. I'll also be going to you first to find out what questions you want answered and what topics you want covered moving forward. So in the midst of a wild year, I want to ask you, friend, if you'd be willing to link arms with my team and me and sharing some of the load and helping make the Refined Collective podcast the best it can possibly be. So if you want to learn more or sign up today, head on over to patreon.com slash the Refined Collective. Again, that's Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash The Refined Collective. Thank you so, so much for being a part of this community. Now on to our episode. All right, we're here. This is it. Happy 2020. Well, 2020. <laughs> the emphasis is a little weird on that, but we're just going to go with it. Welcome to the first episode of the Refined Collective podcast in 2020. I am coming to you live from my home office. I wish you guys could see me now. I'm going to take a picture and put it on Instagram so that you guys can see how I am recording this podcast. I am at my computer desktop and have a blanket over my head and over the computer to help with the echo. So you know what? One day 
am going to have a big fancy podcast studio, but for now, I'm going to be the girl that throws a blanket over her head and her computer so that you guys don't have to hear as much echo. Okay. Y'all, it's halfway through January. Like, what the heck? Like, how did we get here so fast? Fun things before we dive into the episode, you may or may not have noticed there is new podcast music. I am loving it. I probably spent entirely too long getting a new song for the podcast. But, you know, the podcast is almost two years old now. And it's taken me a minute to figure out sort of like the vibe and the energy. And it was like sometime in the fall, someone was like, oh, I was listening to your podcast. And like, man, your intro is like so mellow and emo. And I had forgotten how slow it was. And then I listened to it and I was like, oh, my my gosh, it is. Let's like redo that. So I actually buy licensed music off Musicbed. This is not like an ad or sponsorship or anything. I just, that's what I do. So we have a new song called Live In My Best Life by Paper Kings. I hope you enjoy it because you're going to be hearing it a lot because it's our 2020 music. Okay. So very excited about that. Also, hello, another exciting fun thing in the first 15 days of 2020, Justin Bieber put out a new song, Yummy. It is so freaking catchy. I don't care what you say. I love it. I love Justin Bieber. I love him and Haley together. I am just like team Bieber all the way. And that yummy song is freaking stuck in my head all the time. Okay. Another thing that I'm just loving right now is I'm almost done with a final episode. There's a new documentary on Netflix called Cheer. And y'all, I was not, I was a cheerleader for one year in the fourth grade. And that, so it doesn't like really count. Like I could never tumble or anything, but this cheer documentary is about a college in Corsicana, Texas, which is about an hour south of where I grew up. So I'm very familiar with Corsicana. It's Navarro Junior College and they're the top junior college cheerleading squad in the nation. And it's a documentary about them like getting prepared for nationals. Y'all, I don't know if it's just like hormones are going on through my body right now, but I am legitimately like tearing up and crying like a little baby every single episode. Maybe it's like bringing up that camaraderie of college tennis and being on a team, but I I just like love these kids and I'm just like, I don't know, should I like go join cheer athletics? I don't know. Like I feel so passionate about these people. So you should check it out. And finally, last but not least, The Bachelor has returned. I'm here for it. I care about it. Pilot Pete. I think he's a class act. I think he's so sweet. I cannot wait to watch his full season. We're just in like week two or something. Um, But I just think he is adorable and I just really hope he finds love and really hope that everyone's here for the right reasons. Am I right? Also, I just discovered Rachel Lindsay. She was the bachelorette a few years ago. She married Brian, the guy that she chose, and she has a podcast, The Bachelor Happy Hour, and I'm so here for it, y'all. Like, Rachel Lindsay is sharp, intelligent. She's a truth teller. I mean, I just really love her. So if you love The Bachelor at all or Bachelorette, I think her podcast is like way above all the other ones. Okay, so that is pop culture and things that I'm caring about right now. What I've been, I've been 
honestly lamenting over this first episode of the year. Like, what do I want to say? Y'all know that I get a little stressed about the solo shows. I mean, I'm literally like sitting under a blanket by myself, like talking, staring at my computer and my notes. And I've just been really thinking through and praying through, you know, God, what do you want me to share? What is the kickoff? Like, what is the vision? Like, where are we headed? Like, and I always think before we know where we're headed, we have to see where we've come from. And so I know y'all are like, everyone is like, new year, new you, who dis? Like 2019 sucked. And I think I didn't realize how hard 2019 was for so many people until like all the end of year memes, because I think we get stuck in our own crap. We think things are only hard for ourselves. So before we move forward to 2020, I just want to take a minute and just reflect on some of the lessons that I learned last year, because I think what can happen, I mean, we're already halfway through January. Like it's going to be February before we know it. And then we're going to blink and it's going to be March. And one of the things that I learned so dearly, this is what will kick us off, is to pause and celebrate your wins. I don't know about you, but I'm the type of person, I'm goal oriented. Um, If you know Strength Finders, Achiever is one of my top strengths. Like I love a to-do list. I love scratching off the goal that I achieved. But something that can happen for me is I'll make a goal and then I'll achieve said goal. But then I'm already like flying by on to the next one. Like, okay, well, either I didn't set the bar high enough. So I got to like reset the bar that I set, reset a new goal. Or I'm like, I'm busy. I'm running two businesses. I have a lot going on. So I don't have time to celebrate that. And I think something that my community and friends and family really encouraged me with last year was to really pause and celebrate your wins. There's something really sweet and sacred and holy about acknowledging, wow, like God answered this prayer in my life. Like, let's freaking celebrate that. You don't have to have like party or anything, but just pausing and acknowledging and creating a space of honor with people that you love and trust to really celebrate. Okay, this is what has unfolded in my life. And I want to let myself be excited for that. And so last year I had multiple wins. I I signed a book deal. Like what the heck y'all? And it's a two book deal. I'm like, what the heck is happening? How am I going to do this? I've never written a book and now I'm writing two, but I signed that. And it was like, I immediately was like, okay, well now I need to like plan this and do this and execute this. Another huge win for me last year was I signed a retainer client here in the city that was essentially for the first time in my career as a business owner in my photography business, I knew that I was getting X amount of dollars a month, which for any of you freelancers, entrepreneurs out there, or like people with the side hustle, one of the hardest things about running your own business is being like, well, uh, I, I can kind of project how many clients like I want or the goals that I have. As a photographer, I've been shooting for 10 years, so I kind of know, okay, here's most likely what I'll be booking within the first six months. Here are the slow months. But that was just such a big breakthrough for me. And I just kind of like hit the ball or like, what's the phrase? Um, Hit the ball rolling, hit the ground rolling, (laughs) hit the ground running. Wow. Okay. That was like a game where it's like two syllables, two words sounds like. So 
I think that's one of the biggest things out of the gate, like reflecting on last year. I share those things not to brag. Um, that's not my heart at all, but to really say, you know, we have the permission to celebrate our breakthroughs. We have the permission to celebrate our wins, goals achieved before we're just running on to the next thing. So life lesson number one, celebrate your wins. Thank you, 2019 for that. Number two, comparison freaking sucks. Let's leave comparison at the door. How about that? Like what if 2020 we committed to stop comparing ourselves? And I think a lot of us know that comparison sucks, but here's the thing about comparison is it either elevates me over another person. And so then I am living from a space of better than or pride when all humans like there's there's only a level playing field. Like we're all humans. We all make mistakes. We all have wounds. We all have goals. We all want to be loved, accepted and known. So when I elevate myself over another person, that's pride. It's ego. And I don't want to live from that space. It's um, a space of arrogance. But I also I think the reverse of that is putting ourselves beneath people. And what that does is it takes me below the other person. And guess what's still happening there? I'm still thinking about myself. So it's me, 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 I, 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 poor me. I'm a victim. I'm living in scarcity. I'm in lack. No one's taking care of me. God's not taking care of me. Oh, look what God's doing for those people. Like God's not doing that for me. And guess what? It's still pride because the focus is still on number one. It's still on me. And so I don't think we really talk about that aspect of comparison, like comparison, whether we're elevating ourselves or putting ourselves below another person is still pride. And I want to live from a place of like, we're all on equal playing field and humility. And then what I also want to do is flip the script. For example, I ended last year so discouraged about how many podcast downloads we were getting for the Refined Collective. I started my podcast around the time of a couple other friends. And I mean, they have (laughs) surpassed me exponentially in their downloads. Now, it's not just a numbers game because I pause and think like each download is someone who has taken time out of their lives to listen to this podcast. And my hope and prayer is that it has encouraged you specifically and given you life and joy and equipped you and made you laugh, hopefully at some point. But there's also the other side of when we get more downloads, then we have potential to get sponsorships, which means that the podcast turns from being like a passion project and a a massive labor of love and a financial investment on my part to being more financially sustainable and, and being able to pay my team, not just out of pocket, but having it, you know, be a viable business. And so I ended the year and I just was like, man, all my other friends that run podcasts are doing so good. I suck. Why am I even doing this? Like the numbers aren't there. And all I could see is where I wasn't. And I didn't pause to see where I came from. So my assistant and I sat down and crunched the numbers. And turns out we doubled our downloads in 2019, which is freaking awesome. Any business that doubles in growth in a year is really, really good. And so I feel like what God really challenged me with there is like, 
cats, stay in your lane. Like, don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Like, keep your eyes on your vision. Keep your eyes on me and like walk forward in the lane that you're in. And so I feel like that really, really challenged me. And then also what I want to do instead of when I see someone succeeding and feeling jealous of them and instantly feeling like, God, why are you blessing them and not blessing me? I want to use that as evidence for what's possible. Like what if in that moment where we feel that sense of jealousy or less than we said, okay, let's pause and flip that script. Look what God can do. Look how God answered her prayers. Look how God grew her business. Look at the healing she experienced. Look at the breakthrough she had. And instead of getting stuck in the me, 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 I, 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 scarcity, victim, like I am just forgotten. Here I am. Those narratives are not worth working for us. They're keeping us small. They're keeping us stuck. And I want to live from a space of possibility. So I'm taking my friend's breakthroughs as evidence of what's possible. One of my friends that's a dating coach, Amanda Blair Hopkins, she's been on the podcast before. She calls it seeing is believing. She's like, sometimes we need to see that something is possible before we can believe it, that it's possible for ourselves. So we see someone else with the relationship we want. We see someone else with the business that we want before we can hold it in our own hands. I heard another another quote, Joel Brown on Instagram. He said, you have to hold it in your head before you hold it in your hand. And just this idea of like our thought life matters. So that is my goal for the year is to like use other people's wins as evidence. Let's use our let's use other people's wins and breakthroughs as evidence for what God is able to do. I just wonder what would happen personally in our relationships to ourselves, God and others and our communities at large, our cities at large, our cultures at large. If when we experience that instant of comparison and jealousy, if we took that thought captive and we're like, man, look what God did. Look at that breakthrough. And I think that really comes with a posture of abundance as opposed to lack. So one of my old bosses used to say, here's the thing about the top. Once you get to the top, you realize there's room for everyone. And so we see someone at the top and we're like, oh, well, that person's already doing X, Y, Z. That person's already doing a workshop. That person's already doing a podcast. That girl's already writing a book on this topic. There's no room for my voice in in the mix. But actually, the most unique thing you have about yourself is you, your story. And you get to share that with the world. So I'm going on a tangent. But I think you get what I'm saying here. All right. Lesson learned number two in 2019. Comparison sucks. Let's use other people's breakthroughs as evidence of what God is able to do. This episode of the Refined Collective Podcast is brought to you by my very own free guide for single women, six tips to activate your dating life. Raise your hand if dating as a woman of faith in today's swipe right, swipe left culture has ever felt like a total struggle fest, or maybe being single in our culture today feels overwhelming, lonely, discouraging, frustrating, and maybe if you're being really honest, it can even feel hopeless. 
Listen, single gal to single gal, I totally get it. But did you know that doing the same thing over and over again while expecting different results is known as the insanity cycle? Friend, it is time to walk into a freeing, exciting, and purpose-filled season of singleness. It's time to activate your dating life. I created a free guide for you, and by free, I mean zero dollars, called Six Tips to Activate Your Dating Life to equip you to shake things up in your season of singleness. You can grab it right now at bit.ly slash TRW dating tips. Now you will walk away knowing number one, the biggest mindset shift that will transform how you show up in your dating life. Number two, I'm going to teach you how to get unstuck in your dating life. And three, I will show you the number one thing you can start doing today that will radically change your season of singleness. And finally, the three things I wish someone would have told me 10 years ago about dating. You don't have to wander around for years like I did, insecure, uncertain, and discouraged about your dating or lack thereof life. So if any of this resonates with you, pause and go to bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash T-R-W dating tips and grab your free guide. Again, that's bit.ly slash T-R-W dating tips. All right, let's get back to it. All right, number three, the only person I can change is myself. It's not my responsibility to fix, save, convince other people of anything. I can only take responsibility over myself, how I am showing up and take ownership over my growth. And so what I mean by that is, so I was at dinner with a few girlfriends the other night and, you know, it's all single girls and we get into this familiar conversation of, man, like single again, like, man, must be easy to be a guy in a city where it's like literally every single day when you go out, it's being in the real life TV show, The Bachelor, one guy to to 30 girls, like must be nice, you know? And oh, there really aren't a lot of guys out there. And I like literally my friend and I were like, all right, this is not helpful. Like this conversation is keeping us small and stuck. And no, we're we're not going to go here. So we literally were like, all right, how can we shift the conversation? And it was like, a moment of aha of wow like how much easier is it to try to complain be embittered at what other people are or aren't doing or how they're not showing up or you know how they're blowing it as opposed to taking that same mirror and pointing it directly towards your face and being like all right how am I showing up I'm not perfect either and so I think the only person that we can take responsibility over is ourself It makes me wonder what would happen culturally in our dating lives and, you know, specifically single women of faith navigating dating culture. I know it can be hard. I'm in it. I get it. Is instead of getting in a space of looking at what what's not happening, what the guys aren't doing, how they're not showing up is what if I just took responsibility for myself? What if I just live from a posture of humility and growth? I think it could really change the culture of dating. I really, really do. And 
another layer to that, the idea the only person I can change is myself is, you know, as this platform has grown, as I have been given more opportunities to lead and speak and share my story, I allowed myself to feel this immense burden on my shoulders that was honestly paralyzing me. I felt like, oh my gosh, I can't say one thing wrong because what if what I say traumatizes someone and what if I write something in a book and, you know, five years down the road, I realize, oh my gosh, that was like way wrong and I was way off and I'm leading a bunch of people to unhealthy places. I put so much burden on myself to carry the weight of fixing people or being the voice of truth. And I feel like God was like tap, tap, tap on my shoulder. And he's like, cat, this is like, that's not your burden to carry. I'm, I can't change people. It's not my job. The only person that can change people is God. And the only person I can change is myself. Now that doesn't mean I want to walk into leadership spaces or use my influence flippantly. That's not what that means at all. But I think at the end of the day, what it means is as leaders, we get to choose to show up prepared and in integrity and in community and have, you know, checkpoints of accountability to help us stay on the right path. But at the end of the day, I get to let go and surrender and trust that like God's going to do what God's going to do. And the burden of humanity is not on my shoulders. And also, hello, how prideful is that? Because really what that is saying is I am God and I am more powerful than God. And God, you can't do that. Only I can do that. Only I can fix my family. Only I can show up for myself. Only I can provide for myself financially. Like I would never have thought, oh my gosh, I'm being so prideful. But that's exactly what I was doing. I was acting as though I were God and that the weight of the world was on my shoulders. And guess what happens when you do that? It's crushing. It keeps us from our calling. It keeps us from purpose and legacy. Perfection is paralyzing. And so once I finally let go of, oh my gosh, I lay it down. I I can't fix people. That's not why I'm here. I'm not here to convince, change, any of that. Then I get to step into my calling freely, anxiety free and fear free because it's not up to me to be perfect and no one's expecting me to be perfect. So that is life lesson number three, because sorry, I know I'm going on a tangent, but I'm sitting under a blanket and no one's stopping me. But I realized like I was experiencing such anxiety, like literally physical symptoms of anxiety when I was going to speak publicly or be on someone else's podcast or even just write an article or write my book proposal. I was experiencing such anxiety and it was because I was putting the pressure on myself that wasn't pressure that was ever intended to be on my shoulders. And so when we release fear, when we release anxiety, When we open our hands and say, here, God, I'm giving back to you what has always been yours. It's so, so freeing and healing. And I don't know about you, but I'm just claiming that truth over my life that God did not give me a spirit of fear, but of power, love and a sound mind in first Timothy one seven. So that is my destiny. That is my purpose. My legacy is to live from a space of wholeness, not fear. So when you are feeling that fear rising up, when you are 
feeling like, oh my gosh, like I am the glue that keeps my family together. If no one takes care of me financially, then I'm screwed. Like when you get into a place of feeling like everything is up to you, I want you to pause and say, God, I give this to you. I don't want this. I don't want this. Like I just think of, man, the invitation of Jesus is not to do more, hustle more, prove more. It's to be still and know that I am God. His invitation is that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So if my experience is the opposite of that, it's time to pause. Final life lesson from 2019. Life is about the both and and not either or. If you've listened to this podcast or seen stuff on Instagram in the last year, you know that last year was really, really hard. I experienced a lot of pain personally that I'm not sharing what that is publicly. I always preach to share from a scar, not a scab. And so it's still a scab. So I'm not sharing the details of that. But last year was the hardest year of my adult life personally. And yet also as I was walking through grief and heartache and depression in one hand and like walking through my days sort of in this fog and heartache. In the other hand, I was experiencing adventure. I traveled more with my family than I have in decades. I went to the Bahamas and Tulum and camping in Utah and got to experience all these adventures. My sisters and I took my mom to Vegas to see Celine Dion. Like we had all these amazing adventures. It was the biggest year of breakthrough in my career, like since the beginning of my career. So all of these breakthroughs, all these incredible things happening. And at the same time, I was feeling more low than I had ever felt in my life, more sad, more disconnected. So I got to this point where I paused and I was like, man, you know, growing up or most of my life, I thought life is either or you're either happy or you're sad. You either believe in God or you don't. It's either right or it's wrong. It's either good or it's evil. Yet that's not the experience that I had last year. The experience that I had was in the tension of the both and is where I experience God in such a profound and sweet and beautiful transformative way that like God was with me in the pain and God was also with me in the celebration and that like you can be happy and sad all at once. It reminds me of that movie Inside Out, which I feel like should be like required viewing like in every school in the world, but it's that moment where like the memories don't either don't become happy or sad, but they're layered and nuanced and there's multiple things going on within them. And I even think of the whole, like one of my favorite stories in the Bible is where this person comes up to Jesus and is asking Jesus for a breakthrough and for healing. And Jesus is like, well, like, do you believe in me? And the person responds, I believe, help my unbelief. And Jesus says, like, your faith has made you well. 
well. And that is such a like mind blowing thing to me that I would think that if we have this person who's claiming to be God and then someone has just asked this person to heal them and he's like, I don't really know if I believe in you like I do on some days, but I don't on others or it changes every other hour or I have a lot of doubt. Jesus says your faith has made you well. And so I think more and more I'm realizing like life isn't about black or white. Like there's nuance and there's there's that space in between the either or. And that's the tension. That's the both. And that's where life unfolds. And that is where we experience God. One of the things I felt so much this past year is like, wow, God really is near the brokenhearted. And also it's okay to be really, really sad about something and also have laughter in your life and also have lightness and fun and adventure. It's not diminishing the heartache or the grief that you're experiencing. Like life is a both and God lives in the space between where life really unfolds. So there you have it, friends. Those are my lessons learned from 2019. And now let's talk about 2020. So 2020 is here. Where are you headed? Where are you going? You have to know where you came from to know what wasn't working. What worked about that? What do you want to shift moving forward? My pastor, John Tyson, poses this question often. Who am I becoming? Are the rhythms and practices and behaviors in your life propelling you towards the vision, the calling, the purpose, the legacy that you feel led to? Or are they out of alignment? And how can you course correct? So that's what I love about the start of New Year's. It's not necessarily about hit those New Year's resolutions, you know, make these goals that only stick for a month. I think there's a cadence and rhythm to our years. And we even feel that in the seasons, like winter is like a death. And then we go to spring and it's like this new life. And then the summer is like hot and fun. And then we start winding down with the fall. There's this rhythm. So January, we're headed towards the spring. Who are you becoming? What's your vision? Do you have a word for the year, a phrase, a picture? If you don't, think about it. Pray about it. Ask God, like, God, what is a vision or a picture or a word that you have for this next season? Because the thing about God is God is not a far off God. God is actually near and attentive and close. And we have access to God at any moment. I love Psalm 139. It says like, where can I go from your spirit? If I make my bed in the depths of hell, you are there. The darkness is not dark to you. It's light. You are behind me and before me and hem me in altogether. And before a word is even on my lips, you know it altogether. We have access to this God who is close and intimate and attentive that wants to speak to you. My 2020 vision is this. I want to have the courage to receive. I deserve to be here. I'll say that again. In 2020, I will have the courage to receive that I deserve to be here. Growing up, I played tennis and tennis was my life. I lived and breathed tennis. All I wanted to do was play tennis. In fact, whenever I would get in trouble, my mom would ground me from tennis. And then she stopped grounding me from tennis because she was like, I'm really punishing myself (laughs) because all you're doing is complaining about playing tennis. And even one time I got in trouble and my punishment was that I wasn't even allowed to say the word tennis um, or else I would have another day added to me not being able to play. Um, But I just lived and breathed this sport. And from the time 
time I was in the fifth grade, I wanted to get a full ride scholarship to a D1 college to play tennis. And so I ended up getting that and I got the D1 scholarship. I was number one doubles as a freshman and played top five the entire time I was there. And really, I'm, I look back and I think, wow, like clearly I deserve to be there. <laughs> like my doubles partner and I were ranked in the top 15 in the nation. We broke like all these school records. But if I'm being really honest, I never really felt like I belonged there. Even though there was all this evidence around me that I belonged there, i.e. a scholarship, the results, the wins, the years and years of hard work and dedication. But I felt like I was constantly just waiting to be found out, waiting for my coach and my teammates and family and friends to be like, oh man, she is a piece of crap and does not deserve to be there. She does not have what it takes to be there. And so quietly, I had that struggle of that, just that like, I'm a fake, I'm an imposter. Like I don't deserve to be here. I always felt on the outside, even though clearly 2020 hindsight, I was not on the outside. I was on the inside. And so what happened because I didn't believe in myself, because I didn't believe I had a, I really belonged there, deserved the seat at the table. I began self-sabotaging and it wasn't all the time, but I remember one match in particular. I remember the court I was on. I remember the uniform I was wearing and I threw the match because I just felt like a piece of crap and I wanted to like prove it to myself and show other people like, look what a piece of crap I am. And I look back at that younger version of myself and I just, I'm like, man, wow. If she only knew, if she could only see what everyone else would have seen, if she could only see herself the way I see her now, worthy enough, valuable, an asset. And I walked away from my tennis career and I just remember being like, I don't ever want to feel like that again. I don't want to feel less than. And so I did a lot of work. I, I did a lot of therapy over the years and just felt like, you know what, God, at some point, I want another opportunity to like have the experience. Obviously, I can't go back and be a collegiate athlete, but like I want to have another opportunity where that's tested and I get to like receive the gift that I belong here. So as I've said multiple times, I just signed a book deal and I've never written a book. I've written on the blog for the last six, seven years, but those are typically 700 word little essays. And now I've been hired to do a book that is between 50 and 60,000 words, which is super overwhelming. And as I was going through the process and it was a long process. So the process started two years ago and I started getting approached to write a book and I was like, no, 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 I'm not doing it. I don't want to do it. I'm not your girl, mainly because I felt like where the refined woman was two and a half years ago is I was do we were more a style blog. I don't know if you remember that, but I had a business partner, Emily, we would do style posts. We would do a lot of brand collaborations. I was doing a lot of brand strategy and social media consulting for fashion brands. And I wasn't sharing about my faith ever. Like this was not a platform that was like me talking about being a follower of Jesus. It was 
is business and marketing and style and and those sort of things. And so I get approached to write this book and it was like out of nowhere, all of a sudden it's like all these publishers are reaching out to me to write this book about singleness and my story as being a single woman in New York City and navigating like, do I still want to wait until marriage to have sex or not? And I just felt like, no, I don't want to do that. Like that is not my plan. That's not where I'm headed in my career. And I valued that my business wasn't faith based. I never wanted anyone to feel ostracized if they didn't share my worldview or faith. And I have always and still to this day, whoever you are, wherever you at, whatever you do or do not believe, like you are welcome here. You have a seat at this table and I'm not sitting here trying to convince anyone to to live the life that I live. And so I just was saying, no, 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 not me, not me, not me. And finally, months of this, I just felt like all these doors were closing in my business and I was like swimming upstream. Like I was experiencing so much resistance. And I remember sitting in my bed one night before going to bed and I was just like, God, what the heck is going on? Why am I experiencing so many walls and blocks? And finally I was like, you know what, God, fine. If you want me to write the damn book, I'll do it. I don't want to do this, but if this is what you want, I just, I just want to want what you want. And there's a verse in the Psalms that says, unless God builds the house, the builders build in vain. And I was like, God, I don't want to build my house in vain. Like, I don't want to like do something that's like not what you want. So God, you build this house, you direct this ship. I'm laying aside my agenda and you do this. And so once I said yes to the book, to God and myself, it was like the floodgates of heaven just opened. Like I was like, oh, I didn't realize how upstream I had been swimming for so long. And all this flow entered my life and my business. Well, then it took another four or five months before I signed with a literary agent. So I signed with a literary agent October of 2018. Well, it took 14 months from that point before I signed with my publisher. And all of this stuff is coming up for me during the process of the last like 14 months. I was like, why do these feelings feel familiar? And I was like, ah, bingo. Here it is. Here's the exact feelings that I was feeling in college. I'd been recruited by D1 school. I was wanted there. I had results, but like I didn't believe I belonged there. So I was not showing up for myself. And I was like, this is where I get to practice because I was in meetings last October and November with publishers who are sitting around like kind of singing my praises, y'all. Like it was really, really surreal. I'm like, are we talking about the same person? <laughs> because do you guys know that I almost failed a freshman level writing class in my last semester of college? And my professor said, uh, you know, you're definitely not a writer. And I just felt all of my insecurities come up. I don't deserve to be here. I'm just pulling wool over their eyes here. Like, why am I here? I Why am I in this room with all these important people? I can't write a book. And so I was feeling all of those feelings. And I just felt like the whisper to me was, do you have the courage to receive that you deserve to be here? Do you have the courage to receive that you deserve to be here? And I felt like the challenge to me was to look at the evidence around me. In those moments where I didn't necessarily believe in myself, did I trust that the editor that was hiring me believed in me enough to hire me to write a book? I mean, I definitely wouldn't be hired to write a book if the people thought that I couldn't do it. I definitely wouldn't have it a literary agent 
fighting for me for over a year if she didn't think I had it in me. So like, what if I started believing in myself the way everyone else around me has already and always believed in me? What if I had the courage to accept that I have what it takes? And here's the thing. Even if the evidence isn't there, my new mantra is why not me? Like, why the hell not me? I think we spend so much time in narratives that keep us small. And I think it's time to call BS on the whole thing. I've spent so much of my life trying to convince myself and others that I am not worthy, that I am not enough, that I don't have what it takes. And I am not about that life anymore. I want to have the courage to believe who God is and who he says I am. And God says that I am enough. God says I am worthy, accepted, loved, chosen. And if those are realities about who I am and who you are, who we are to our essence, to our core, that just by breathing, existing, being able to blink our eyes, that we have inherent worth and value because Genesis 1 says, God said, let us make man and woman in our image and our likeness. So just by nature of breathing, there is that God spark of worth and dignity and honor and creativity pulsing through our veins. So why not me? What if we showed up with that mentality of, I'm not saying to be arrogant or prideful. Why not accept the blessing as opposed to trying to convince myself and everyone around me that I don't have what it takes? So why not me? Why not you? Why not? What if you had the courage to receive in whatever scenario you're struggling to receive that you are worthy enough to be there? What if you just said, you know what? I'm just going to have the courage to believe that I deserve to be here and invite community, invite people into your life that believe in you, that are not just yes men, that truly see you and fight for you because we all need that community in our life to hold our hands up when we aren't strong enough to hold them up ourselves. So I'm not talking about yes men. I am talking about freedom fighters in our lives to remind you of what's true about who you are when all we see is like the wall of a blind spot. So I don't know about you, but 2020, where I am stepping into is having the audacity, the courage to receive that I deserve to be here, that I can, I will, and I am doing the thing that God has put in front of me. And that right now is writing this book. But to you, I say you can, you will, and you are, and you can have the courage to receive that you deserve to be here because why not you? All right, friends, that is all I have for you today. I just talked at you for a really long time. My hope and my prayer is that some of this, any of this, maybe one word of it resonates with you or encouraged you or empowered you, equipped you. I'm just here for it. I'm here for you. I'm excited about this new year. I just think God wants to do so much. I just think that breakthrough is on the horizon. Breakthrough is here. The breakthrough that we've been praying for, longing for, hoping for, believing for, for all this time, like this. This is the year for that. Are you ready to receive it? 